Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production, where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, this is Steve Silver with Silver Screen Videos, and you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. You are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. All right, we got some more uh, Touristicu Chronicles for you, or as I'm rebranding it, Touristicu. It is Machiarnex Ascension, part five in the series. If you are just joining us, please go back and listen to Cal's Fall. That's the one you're looking for. Uh, Cal's Fall is when I started this series, and then it's roughly every other episode uh, up until now. You know, you could download them all for free, so you could you could binge it and then get to this episode. Uh, there you go. There's your recap. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, and I will go ahead and just start this. The bright green field was more intense than it was yesterday. Judging by the heat that bathed Machiarnak's body, it was in direct response to Turilian metal slowly winning the battle for his life. His veins popped out in almost every location in his body. They were metallic and infected with dirty green corrosion. His vision was gone because his eyes were completely encased in metal. Even though he couldn't see, he could still hear everything. More machines were brought in for diagnostics, treatment, and other purposes, as if more medical devices would fix the problem. Doctors and nurses would talk about his impending death like they were casually chit-chatting about lunch with a co-worker. He wanted them to end it, but he could no longer communicate because his joints were locked in position. His mouth was frozen solid. The metal had replaced enough of his body to lock him within his mind. Soon his hearing would go too, he could hear it fading as the humming of the machines around him seemed to grow distance. Footsteps approached his recovery field. They stopped just outside of the perimeter. Machiarnak could hear the sound of labored breathing assisted by machines. It was unmistakable sound, but a sound he hadn't heard in years. It was the labored breath of his father, more machine than man now, as he tried to prolong his life to the limits of technology. Machiarna hated that sound. He longed for a day when his father would not make that noise anymore. 
It was ironic that his dad would outlive him and that his father's labored breathing was the last thing he would hear. If Makyarnik had still been his armor, he would have upped the dosage of his meds to suicidal levels. As it was now, the Seattle Hospital Continuum was administering his hospice care. It was more likely paid by his father, who would spare no expense. Mac, you are neck, the haggard voice of his father croaked. I am here, my boy. Death couldn't come soon enough. Thank you for so much for inviting me to your home, the trad said and offered one of his forearms to Rasmus. His father pulled his hand back and sniffed in disgust. At the age of 21, Makyarnik was used to his father's general racism against anything that wasn't human. The lack of aliens in Makyarnik's life wasn't an accident or an oversight. Rasmus was very open about his contempt for them. Not only did he believe that they were only on Earth to feed off the human's wealth, but he also hated the very idea of one being his home. Makyarnik knew that much about his father, so when he had the opportunity to choose a mentor for his college interstellar fleet squad, he chose the only non-human among them. It was more for the fact that he knew parent-mentor conferences were a requirement, and he loved seeing his dad squirm. The trad, Sergeant Lee Follis, was used to general racism and fear from the private citizens of Earth. Humans were fed a diet of fear and ignorance from their popular media, so those who didn't get away from the planet that much didn't know anything different. The average person treated him like he was a member of the Shusharian Collective. However, Sergeant Lefal Follis mostly dealt with other IF members who were more seasoned with different alien cultures. I, I want to congratulate you on your son, Sergeant Lefal Follis. He's an exemplary student and will go far in the IF if he decides to pursue a career with the military. He's going to the family business, Rasmus retorted. And the meeting proceeded to fall apart even further from there. Makyarnik enjoyed every moment of it. He loved seeing his father being taken down a notch. When he decided to join SIFS, it was less because he had the desire to join the military and more because he knew his father wouldn't approve. By the time Makyarnik was in post-secondary school, he knew that his father cared more about his legacy than about his son. He didn't want his precious company to be devoured by shareholders, other corporations and government entities after his death. Anything else, including the love of his son, seemed inconsequential. Makyarnik would never earn the praise for academic pursuit unless it were in business or finance, both of which Makyarnik abhorred. If he wanted to play a game or spend time with his father when he was young, he'd play with his tutor. The only time he ever saw his dad as a child was when he was under trouble or at parties. Despite the fact that his father was absent for most of his childhood, his influence still ruled the servants. If any of them put Makyarnik in danger, even if they had no control of the situation, Rasmus would not only end their career, but blacklist them from ever working again. When he was an, a child, Makyarnik had climbed one of the many trees in the property and fell and broke his arm. It was a minor injury that healed in the same day. However, since his father was so worried about his legacy, the servant watching him was sacked and forced to live a near in life of indentured servitude on a gas giant mine far, far away. The man had even tried to stop Makyarnik and even alerted the others in the house at the moment Makyarnik got into the tree. Since Makyarnik 
wasn't allowed to do anything fun when he was young, when he was finally old enough to start making decisions for himself, such as his extracurricular activities at school, he would pick up the most dangerous options available. He played competitive bone-crunching sports in his secondary school. In college, he picked up SIFs because they trained for combat space jumps, even basic dogfighting. He couldn't think of any better place to make his father nervous, especially because the only attention he ever seemed to get from his father was when they had arguments. Sifts was a good way to ensure they'd always have something to fight about. After Rasmus has made a sufficient fool of himself, and Sergeant Lefalfalis was sick of dealing with yet another human bigot, the meeting was adjourned, and the butler didn't even have enough time to see Macyarnik's mentors out. His dad made some comment about having important business to do and stormed out of the room. Macyarnik knew that it wasn't so much business, but an encounter with his floozy of the week. Macyarnik was left alone in his father's office. His father loved the ancient decorum of oil barons of the past. It looked like more like a 20th century historical drama set than an actual office. Even his desk was made of real wood growing from trees, a pricey commodity on a planet with no space to grow them. A pricey commodity on a planet with no space to grow them. There was a liquor cart in the corner where he'd offer his guest a drink. If it were unavoidable that his guest was alien, he would still offer them one, especially if he knew they were species that would be poisoned by the alcohol in the drink. Macyarnik decided to pour himself a drink of his father's most expensive liquor. One sip was a year's worth of rent in a London flat, and it didn't even register on his father's ledger. Before he was able to take one step from the cart, he noticed a drawer jar on his father's desk. Since all the drawers were DNA locked, he couldn't resist the urge to peek inside. He opened it further and saw a data drive, a few personal items, and a plasma gun. It was much like the one he had seen years ago, but forgot exactly where and when. The weapon raised serious questions about what had just happened. Was Sergeant Lefalfalis steps away from being murdered by his father? Even worse, was Macyarnat at risk too? After all, he was a genetic mixture of his father that probably had a copy in cold storage. It wasn't far-fetched to believe that if Rasmus wasn't pleased with his legacy, he could just kill him and start over again. All the fears of his childhood came back of his father murdering him in sleep. He wanted to slam the drawer and run, but he didn't know what had compelled him. The data drive might have been had the answers he wanted. He took the unit and shut the drawer. He left the office and ran down the hallway towards the wing of the house where his room was located. His father almost never crossed over to his side of the house. If his father needed him, he almost always summoned him via message over the network or by a servant. Rasmus didn't go to other people. They came to him, including his son. Later, Macarnot hooked up the data drive he stole from his father's office when he knew everyone was asleep. Not that anyone had disturbed him after taking it from Rasmus's drawer. He still wanted to be cautious because he knew his father had eyes everywhere. He wouldn't have been surprised to see security rampage through his door when he hooked up the data drive to his bedroom computer. He wouldn't put it past his dad to spy on his son. As soon as the drive connected to the computer, he saw that it was encrypted. Whatever was on it was pretty important. Even though the data flowing through the galactic network was secure, his father decided to store the information on drive anyway. Earlier, he considered putting it back. 
He felt foolish for taking it in the first place. Whatever his, whatever his father did wasn't any business of Makiarnak. However, the encryption on it made him really want to know even more. Unfortunately, he never passed his generals in quantum mechanics, number theory, math, and all the other skills a cryptologist would need. If there was one thing he knew about his dad, it was that he didn't skimp on anything, especially security. However, Makiarnik knew a couple of people in the underworld. There was a nightclub where he would frequent in the London lower city. The sons and daughters of wealth and power go there to dance, do drugs, and have lots of sex. Makiarnik was no exception. He had to be shot up with detox e-needles several times. Makiarnik was only 16 when his heart stopped for the first time because of an overdose. The game involved getting as close to death as possible because that's where he got the biggest high. The local dealer of the club was a short man named Lars with two robotic limbs and the nose that looked as had been broken one too many times. He didn't have any henchmen because he preferred breaking people's bones himself. Makiarnok saw the man tear the arm off an Orkandu once. Everyone knew not to mess with him. Not that anyone wanted to screw with him anyway because not only did he provide the chemicals and natural psychedelic substances from all over the galaxy, but he was also an experienced physician. Each time a clubgoer would overdose, have a bad reaction, or even just need to sober up before, because they had to go to class in an hour, he'd take care of them. For a fee, of course. Those who could pay got to walk out of the club. Those who couldn't ended up in a gutter. Those who do upset Lars discovered there's nothing worse than a thug who was also an experienced physician. He could revive a person endlessly. Makiarnak had been on his good side, largely because Makiarnak was a customer who always paid on time and in full. However, Makiarnak wondered if there was a little fact that he was also re feared Rasmus as well. People had done that in his whole life. They would treat him like a normal person until they found out he was Rasmus's kid. Then they would tiptoe around him. Makiarnak hated it. When Makiarnak arrived at the club about an hour or so after he plugged the drive into his computer, the lights and the music were still going 100p years. The bass rattled his ribcage. Smoke and sweat permeated the sea of bodies. He pushed his way to the balcony where Lars would be every night with whatever woman was by his side. Lars smiled a big, wide grin when he saw Makiarnik's approach. How's my favorite customer? I got a shipment of Rathilian Wisp from the heart of the Shusharian Collective. It's rumored to be better than making love to Eucristite on ecstasy. Lars always said rumored because he never tried his product. Eucristites were known throughout the galaxy for sexual morphology. They were one of the few that were able to adapt to their partner's biology and share their DNA when reproducing. Their quirk of evolution and very open-minded society made them very sought-after lovers. It was one of the few races where wars were fought over lost love, like the ancient tales of mythology and lore. While the Rathilian Wisp did pique Makiarnik's interest, he decided that the data drive was more important. That will have to wait, Makiarnik said. I have a job I need done. My only job is to make sure the people of this fine establishment are having a good time, Lars said and waved his hands towards the debauchery around him. You are the only one I can turn to. I got a data drive that needs decrypting. A data drive? Yes, it's my father's. And what's on this data drive? If I knew that, I wouldn't need someone to decrypt it. 
Lars looked around and waved Makiarnek to sit by his side. After Lars had been satisfied that no one was watching, he told his floozy to make herself scarce. She huffed and walked towards the bar. Now don't bullshit me. This isn't some frat boy get back at your father crap, is it? No, Makiarnek said. You have my word. Not that his word meant much. If Makiarnek were to analyze his actions, it was some frat boy get back at his father crap, as eloquently put it. Makiarnek didn't even know what he'd do with the information once he got it. It didn't matter the reasons why he took the drive in the first place. The fact that was he did it, and he would see it through to the end. Anything less would let his father win. Makiarnek couldn't have that. Good, Lara said. The reason I ask is there's serious stuff going down near the planet of Negromoto. Yes, my dad has the mining rights. Right, well, the Shusharan Collection seems to have knighted their war factories, and they're making fleets of battleships. Same to be happening here on Earth. So, so what are you saying? That the UP's going to war? That's ludicrous. No planet is worth that much. A habitable planet with Dekrin core might be. So what does that have to do with the data drive? I don't know. I was hoping you'd tell me, Lara said with a big smile. Can you do it? What? The decryption. I know a guy. I'll pay double for no questions. Hey, Makiarnak, buddy, you know me. I'm only here to make sure everyone enjoys themselves.